and welcome to Green Pass Gaming's Thursday podcast with me, your host, Flap. And we have the GPG crew in, well, most of the GPG crew, but we do have a, a, a special guest on the show tonight that we will come to at some point. But um, thank you for being here. Thank you for, for tuning into our, to our little corner of the internet where we discuss all things gaming. We are obviously an Xbox-centric channel, but we do cover gaming news wide and far, and kind of this week has been a bit of a Sony week, so we'll be covering quite a lot of Sony stroke PlayStation news tonight, and unless you've been living in a cave and just kind of woken up out of hibernation, I'm sure it will come as no surprise that we will be covering Sony's uh, proposed acquisition of Bungie, and some of the details around that, what that could do for the for the future of the platform and, and, for, and platforms further afield as well. But before we get into any of that fantastic stuff, let's go through the GPG crew, or the ones that we have on board for tonight. And first up, as always, my wingman, my right hand man Puxley welcome to the show uh what have you been up to this week hello evening even chat have you all doing well and what to be fair thank you uh gaming wise i've i'm still playing yakuza like a dragon really enjoying oh. that playing that in kind of small parts during lunch breaks and stuff which is really mm. good i think i'm currently on chapter chapter seven or eight now i think i'm kind of nearing the end game ish um really enjoying that uh and last week friday pokemon legends arceus came out on the switch so i bought that and i've been really enjoying that as well so i've kind of been jumping between the two this week and two days ago i decided i'm going to take the plunge and manage to get a hold of uh an oculus quest 2 Yay! which is meant to arrive today and i was really <laughs> looking forward to it turning up because i'm yep. back in the office two days a week now and i was going to driving home knowing the parcel was delivered and it turns out it was something else i ordered from amazon not the quest and that got delayed until either tomorrow or saturday so i'm going to wait a little bit longer unfortunately but uh hopefully that'll arrive soon i'll be jumping into some vr shenanigans oh it's been really good thanks yeah you you will have an absolutely fantastic time on that and i think mark zuckerberg owes me one because i kind of did try and tempt you into it and you you took the bait and you've gone for it (laughs) And uh, I'm sure we will have a fantastic line in the uh, uh, time in in these virtual worlds that you're about to experience for the oh, first sure time. I'm sure we will. I know a number of friends of mine have uh, have jumped into the VR bandwagon as well. Mm. And some of them have come around over the last couple of weeks, and they keep bringing it, and I'm having, having a go, and I I'm getting more and more hooked. So yeah, I'm just I'm happy to jump in now. So. Uh, yeah, yeah well, fingers crossed it arrives soon. <laughs> I'm wholesale on the VR bandwagon. I've been playing Half-Life Alex all week, and just, my God, what a game. That is so fantastic. I love it to bits. In fact, there's one level called Jeff, and I won't spoil it for anyone, but the, yeah, it literally made me scream out loud um, like a little schoolgirl. I'm not, I'm not, like I'm not embarrassed. Girl, yeah. yeah, I'm not embarrassed to admit that. It, it literally scared the living shit out of me, but... Uh, <laughs> Can you record that for the as an intro for the next week? <laughs> yeah, <part? laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, yes, no, I'm not scared to admit that. But um, let's move on. Um, and Luke, we'll come to you next. I'll, I'll go in order of the screen. Um, welcome to the show, my friend. Um, it's gonna, it's, it's been a busy time for you because obviously a lot with uh, acquisition talks going on with obviously Microsoft and Activision and now Sony um, being our. A legal representative, uh, we turn to you for, for all things advice and uh, and updates and opinions on this. So welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, what have you been up to? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a bit mad, doesn't it, January? <laughs> uh, going into Feb, it's it's just been crazy. Um, yeah, uh, not not much for me. Uh, I've been playing um, uh, Uncharted uh, Legacy of Thieves edition. Oh, nice. Um, which so I've not I hadn't played Uncharted for I don't know Uncharted four for 
probably three four years maybe mm. so um it was it's it's felt really fresh coming back to it actually and um obviously the boost in frame rate is is really oh, much needed in that game <laughs> yeah absolutely um and uh and the haptics as well you know on the mm. dual sense really good um audio is excellent so it, it's been it's been brilliant actually i've really really enjoyed it so uh, am i right that and then... am i right in thinking it's just a 10 pound upgrade that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which um, surprised me. I mean, that's that's a pretty damn good deal, isn't it? I, I'm guessing if you've bought it already, uh, you know, it's an extra ten pounds. But I got it as part of because I've got a PS5. I've got it part of the PlayStation Plus package. Um, yeah. So I think for me, it's only a, an extra tenner, which is well worth that for the frame rate alone. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, so it, it, you get the Lost Legacy with it as well, which is, mm. is been given the same treatment, which I um, I played before, but I. I must have got a rare uh, physical copy um, because I didn't own it digitally. So, so it's oh, quite nice to have that on. again. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to um, to playing that again as well. So I've been playing that. Um, been playing uh, Metroid Dread still. Oh, wow. Very slowly going through it. Kind of do it in bursts. Um, I also got Switch OLED, um, which uh, was a... It's a huge upgrade over the um if you play it in handheld over the original switch it's, it's pretty mad actually um so yeah that's about it and then just kind of revving up and getting ready for uh for february you know all the, yeah. all the massive stuff that's about to go about to hit and here we are where are we we're on the third of february yeah and when you look at the lineup of games for february it is quite uh quite amazing actually particularly for february mm. because you know a bit of a sleeper month normally after the big uh holiday push and stuff so uh yeah no fantastic well you've heard his voice already vj welcome back to the show <laughs> one of the og panel members going way back from yesteryear um yeah on the gpg show welcome back my friend it's been far too long H had a devil of you what have you been up to <laughs> you know i've always um first of all i'm really really grateful for being invited back on the show thanks for thinking of me flat and, yeah, no problem. Uh, it's good to be here to Huxley's voice and uh <laughs> i've been fortunate enough to um hear luke's voice exclusively a couple of days ago so that was fantastic mm. and you know what that that sort of british expression i've really missed it you know how the devil is and i've always i've always meant to look into the origins of it and, <laughs> yeah um, it's just like so many of those sort of really welcoming and sort of sort of very british expressions are kind of like dropping out of circulation as you get older especially <laughs> at my age but um yeah. but no i i'm really really glad to be on and i'm really looking forward to the conversation and, and again uh, i can't thank you enough for having me on no fantastic well you're welcome back anytime absolutely and particularly with these kind of big acquisitions going on i mean you know we've said it before what a great time to be a gamer but my god are the big guns coming out now particularly obviously around a sort of acquisition town as it were um yeah so yeah let, let's get straight into topic number one and as i said before i can't believe anyone listening to this isn't aware that sony is on a bit of a spending spree and uh, their latest um, is is to acquire Bungie, uh, which kind of surprised me, actually. It, it kind of did and didn't. And I think the thing that surprised me the most was that actually Microsoft didn't go for them again. But plus we'll come on to that a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, so Sony, uh, yeah, acquiring Bungie for $3.6 uh, billion. Um, 
I think at the time the sort of the internet kind of blew up, and I think most people were, were thinking that this was some sort of reaction to the uh, Microsoft Activision acquisition, but um, obviously and clearly not. And perhaps we'll come to you first, Luke, if that's okay on this one. Just interested to know your initial reaction on the news, and um, and obviously if this is in any way a reaction to the Activision acquisition, not necessarily in terms of of the deal itself, but perhaps the timing of the announcement and things like that. Well, you know, um, seeing it for the first time, I actually kind of hit Twitter as that was developing. So, right. you know, Jason Schreier said something like he, he was glad he wasn't on vacation um, that day, which, you know, mimicked his, his opposite uh, reaction when the, the Activision Blizzard stuff happened. Um and then I saw another tweet that said Sony's uh, stock had halted trading momentarily, uh, which is, was very interesting. So, you know, knew it had something to do with, with Sony. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I, there was kind of a, I guess, a minute or two gap between that and then the news actually hitting. So I kind of assumed it was an acquisition from Sony. But Bungie, I mean, never, ever crossed my mind, you know, when I was thinking about it. Um, and uh, and yeah, then then I saw the news, and uh, I think as as you said, it, it's it's um it's one of those that's surprising when you hear about it, and then the more you think about it, the less surprising it becomes. Um, it's it's not one that I would have ever predicted, no. um, but it is one that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't think you know it's. I mean these these types of things. I mean we know uh, post the fact that. Um, you know, they were in discussions with Bungie for five, six months, mm. or, or at least that's that's when this, yeah. this whole thing started ch chugging along. And um, these sorts of things are planned out actually well before that. You know, Sony would have um, known who they wanted to target through their M&A and mm. what they want to spend their money on. And, um, you know, I don't think, again, the announcements doesn't really i think it's coincidental that it happened mm. the same month you know it, it kind of reached that natural end cycle where this stuff actually gets announced you know contracts are exchanged and away you go so um yeah i it's a really it's a really interesting well there's all sorts of layers to this which i think is really interesting and um um you know the, the biggest surprise for me you know just outwardly were you know the the real um, commitment and clear intent for Bungie just to kind of remain as they are very multi-platform. Yeah. Um, not the Des I mean, the Destiny stuff didn't surprise me at all. Like it doesn't surprise you know that that would never surprise you. But it was the fact that they went to such lengths to you know state very clearly that you know their future games, not Destiny, will be multi-platform as well, which is such a an about face for kind of. Um, Sony in a, in a lot of senses. Um, it's not something that they've done in recent times. So, um, you know, they're only just getting on the PC bandwagon, let alone thinking about, you know, multiple other platforms with their first party. So, um, yeah, super interesting. I'm interested to hear what, what other people think. But, uh, yeah, we can delve a little deeper, I think, as, as, people, uh, as people talk about it. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And chat, let, let us know what, what you think. You know, how, how did you take the news? Did it come as a massive surprise? Or, or were you kind of expecting something like this to happen? Perhaps not necessarily Bungie, but something along those lines. But yes, Luke, we do we do actually have uh, two topics tonight. And, and the second one is kind of related mainly to MLB 2022 and kind of it going multi or remaining multi-platform, let's say, but also coming to the Switch. So, you know, kind of tonight's topics do kind of bleed into each other slightly. But but uh, we'll come to you next, VJ, if that's okay. Yeah. How, how did you take the news? Was you kind of surprised by it? Is, is, this, uh, is this a natural fit for Sony, do you think? Um, I think the more and more... I, I'm just wondering, are people surprised that it's Bungie or are they surprised at the number? As in the financial? Yeah, yeah. So... Um... I think it's Bungie because I think obviously Bungie even today in people's heads, you know, Bungie, Halo, Xbox. I think that's the the natural path, isn't it, that people yeah. join? Yeah, the synonymous, is it the synonymous sort of relationship with, yeah. Yeah. with Microsoft? And uh, it still goes back to Microsoft, even though with with Activision for so long. So that tells you something, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But for for me, for me, is that when 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 I look at it, and um, I'm probably going to pick it back on a lot of stuff that Luke's already no, taught me. So um, it's when I see the both companies, Microsoft and Sony, you can see they sort of, in the terms of the rails that they operate in, you know, in terms of power, influence, and and uh, pure pure cash, right? They operate in very different spheres. I think that Microsoft are buying beachfront property, and and Sony mm-hmm. are looking a little little bit more inland, but still mm-hmm. a valuable valuable acquisition, well within their sort of financial reach. So, and and I, I kind of been, I think the biggest thing that i've been seeing is not really sony not really bungie but the fact that this is sony being reactive this is sony throwing a counter punch and look i'm not saying it isn't but i would say there's always a degree of truth to everything but not every truth is simple or pure as it's made out to be i would say it's a lot less reactionary in terms of how it's being sort of paraded around even within sort of not just the community but in terms of sort of industry industry people speaking about it and either it's disingenuous or it's just a lack of consideration and observation and, and real thoughtfulness because as mm. i think as luke was saying look you know if, if you understand how corporations work they think 5 10 15 years ahead and and again i, I can see the bungee with sony for so many different reasons but the the prof but sony and microsoft if you look at what they're both targeting are very different profiles and propositions yeah and again well within sony's reach and and if you want a little little bit of context to sort of kind of what i'm just to sort of add a bit of gravity to what i'm saying i remember 20 years ago sony had already planned right to mimic nintendo's business model of being sort of self-sustaining i.e sort of hardware their mm. hardware launching and more reliant on first party content and third party is gravy yeah and yeah. They've been trying to do that for 20 years, and, they, and it's taken them that long to get them. We've talked about, I think, this on your show before. And then if you look back at um, 10 years ago, right, where I think Sony were in critical financial dire straits almost, right? And and that was when they had to restructure, and that was prior to the play, PlayStation 4 release. And then five years ago, and I, I've mentioned this a few times, is that in 2017 on the back end, there was like a, a shareholder meeting in Japan. And Sony knew then and disclosed that, that 10 gas games, or, or those that are sort of, are sort of laden with uh, microtransaction games, hmm. uh, were generating almost 50% of PlayStation's re- revenue, none of which were first party. And then four years ago, 
they they were obviously observing um, Xbox, and forgive me if I forgot the year one or two years out, but I think it was 2018, right, when Xbox went on that sort of purchasing purchasing spree, and it obviously wasn't to support the Xbox because everybody was already sort of having had one eye on on the next gen, so Sony obviously knew it was going to be you know for future investment, and. And again, we talk about large corporations having five to 10 year plans and uh, this acquisition, along with investments in Haven and deviation and and games that aren't in their first party folio that are contributing so much revenue. So you've got to say this has been in the planning or an observation that they've had right uh, while they came out of their financial mire to go out and do these kinds of uh, deals. Right. And it and it doesn't take a genius right to recognize a threat. Or, or continually plan to de-risk uh, a, an entity the size of Sony, right? That's like kind of business 101 basics. And Luke, yeah. feel, feel free to interject and correct me if I'm getting anything wrong here. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that Sony are the definition for me in, the, in, the, in my experience in working with them of being economical, conservative, and even shrewd, right? Ever since, ever since as I said, the company faced annihilation almost a decade ago. Mm. And... And that kind of, I know it seems like a, a 10 years to me and you, but the people that have been there, they're, they're reminded of it every day because they're no longer in a building that they own. Both of their headquarters in Manhattan and in Tokyo uh, are on sale and leaseback agreements, right? Which which they actually own for, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years, right? Right. And I think Sony, if you look at companies like Bungie, they're prone to pur- purchase companies with the right culture, the right creative attitude and the right business values, Hmm. and especially ones that are privately held companies, right? And have long sort of long-term huge upside, which I think Sony have looked at, which I haven't got the facts in front of me because none of us really know the true facts, right? In terms of what their projections are for for Bungie. But all in all, I I think it's a a very, very shrewd business deal, especially, um, sorry, um, uh, Phil, if you take into like, if you take into consideration that Codemasters were they really worth 1.2 billion? Another recent acquisition mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. Leo really worth 1.2 billion? A, a deal Sony pulled out of, which was has some synergies with how Bungie are, even though the Bungie are a higher profile uh, or uh, um, and a higher value company, and even Sumo Group, which went for 1.3 billion with no real IP, right? And and I was, I was saying to Luke, I said. Ted Price over at Insomniac that got like $234 million must be really sitting there scratching his head and wondering, you know, why did I sell so early? But, you know, that's that's life for you. Yeah, that's interesting because, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a strange one, actually, because like you say, you know, Bungie, they do fit kind of the Sony kind of portfolio on some level. But, but like you say, you know, with them producing games as a service, perhaps this is more of a kind of a response to things like uh, Microsoft purchasing Mojang and, and things like that. Um, yeah. I, with, I you know, because, yeah. well, that's the thing. It flattens out the revenue, doesn't it, coming in? So, you know, you've almost got some bread and butter revenue coming in from these games as a if service. Can, I'll tell you what, if, if there's a corporation, uh, flat, if you can predict cash flow, it's mm. gold. Yeah, <laughs> and, no, absolutely. And, 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 from the, and from a cash flow perspective, again, I don't think that, uh, Sony went to Sony Japan. Sony PlayStation went to Japan with cap in hand and saying, "Can you please drop a few fennigs in our penny, right? Because we want to <laughs> buy this company." I think that the way this deal would have been structured, and again, um, Luke, please chime in. I, I, I think that it will be paid in installments. I, I think it will be it's cash flow proof, if I can use that terminology, into, yeah. from Sony. They'll pay it out of their own cash flow. And I, I think I think yesterday I heard someone launch a video saying that you know 1.2 billion dollars um, is going to be based on milestones and uh, to retain key management, and that was from Sony Direct and the and the sort of uh, 
uh, conference call. And, and, I, and, I, and I know people are looking at it and observing it and saying, isn't that, you know, and sort of construing it as desperation and concern, but it's pretty standard from, from where I'm sitting. So it's, it's a shrewd deal and one within their financial means, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. I, I completely agree. And like you say, three point six. I think there's been some questions around whether that's the actual, whether that's the right price for it. But obviously, that that's governed by the people yeah. buying it. To be honest, but um, yeah. uh, Pucks, let's come to you next. Let's just hear your your initial thoughts on it. Was was it a massive surprise? Did it kind of bother you in any way? And I, and I'm guessing that you know when I saw a lot of the news coverage, particularly in some of the more mainstream. Uh, outlets, people like BBC Guardian in the UK, and, and I'm sure there's you know some equivalents in the states, uh, NBC and things like that. You know that they were kind of saying um, Bungie uh, creators of Halo and things like that. You know they're kind of capitalising on the fact that they've created Halo because obviously it's one of their biggest titles, but also kind of related to Xbox as well, I guess on some level. Yeah, uh, in terms of did I find it surprising? I found it pleasantly surprising, I guess, hmm. like of any any of these things because. I kind of caught wind a bit when kind of my phone was starting to ping a little bit saying, oh, acquisition news from Sony inbound kind of thing. It was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then, you know, anything like that is always pleasantly surprising news, I guess, depending on what it is. And then then it was that, oh, wow, it's Bungie. You know, and I sort of started seeing all the official, you know, the PlayStation Twitter and stuff, all the official posters, if you want to call it that, of, you know, PlayStation times Bungie together, finally, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But then it was one of those ones where, you know, give it five minutes to kind of just digest it and think, oh, right, this is interesting. And then, as you say, thinking, well, you know, Bungie's massive, um, uh, like, past kind of was heavily on Xbox, if you consider, you know, as you say, Halo and all the kind of, that kind of stuff. But then I kind of started reading some articles as they kept popping up around it, and people were basically doing the numbers around Destiny, um, mm. about what is the most popular platform for Destiny. And, again, I've not necessarily fact-checked any of this, so it could be wrong. But according to a lot of these articles, a lot of the numbers are showing that Destiny is actually by far the most popular and most played on PlayStation platforms. So okay. when I read that, it was like, oh, okay, it kind of makes a bit more sense now from from Sony's perspective. And I think as some of the others have already, have already kind of said and alluded to in that Sony don't necessarily have a lot of their own kind of live service games at the moment, which, you know, I think like a lot of the, the big leagues now is kind of the, one of the things that everyone wants to jump in on. <laughs> whether it's uh, that cash grab or otherwise but people enjoy the game really like it so why not i guess but i suppose yeah seeing the numbers of people that play destiny on playstation even compared to pc it was it was swamped by quite a margin at least according to hmm. the two or three articles that that i looked at um so when i saw that i kind of thought actually knowing that obviously they must have known that so therefore it's not really any surprise um if anything it sounds like it's, it's a good thing for, the, for them at least and and for everyone else but I did find it interesting people start going, oh man, I like, you know, start getting the whole fanboyisms coming in. And then people, like people are like, you know, whether it's podcasting community or otherwise, you start seeing comments about people thinking, oh, does this mean that Halo is going to come to PlayStation? All this kind of <laughs> stuff. And it's just like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> they've been far removed from about, for about like, what, 10 years, whatever it is. So, yeah, interesting. But uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. But, as as we kind of said in the in the green room before we went live it was one of those things where yeah it was a pleasant surprise to kind of you know see acquisition news and all that kind of stuff but i wasn't necessarily blown away by it especially when you consider obviously what we were talking about two weeks ago Um, no it doesn't change the landscape does it potentially 
It doesn't yeah. feel like then, it's going to change the landscape. Yeah. Then obviously there's a lot of articles going out there which are talking, you know, oh, is this Sony's response to the whole Activision thing? When obviously the reality is these things take, you know, 18 plus months in advance to really get going before they get to this level or to this mm. point in time, sorry, of, of acquisition. But then I did see, I did start seeing some other kind of articles and things popping up about, again, not fact-checked, so it could just be a load of rubbish, but it was going on about how, for whatever reason, it was believed or whatever that um, Sony apparently wildly overpaid for Bungie or something, and it was, I kind of, I kind of found that interesting in a way, but I don't necessarily see why they would feel forced to do that if any of it was actually true. But, but I'll be honest, I only glanced at the article and the headline, a few snippets, but think, thinking, yeah, there's, there's not really much here. It just sounds like it's complete conjecture by the sounds of it but but no i just i just find it surprising if just the fact that those kind of articles are doing the rounds it's almost as if almost shunning playstation for acquiring well, someone with, yeah it's there's always, it's all part of the game isn't it yeah the there's always going to be an element trying to throw shade and to be honest you know anything you ever buy is you know its price is governed by what someone's willing to pay for it and the one thing that no one has seen well very few people have actually seen is obviously the roadmap for um Bungie, uh, Bungie's games going forwards, and and uh, it's been uh, mentioned that there's going to be you know potentially ten games as a service title coming, and uh, I know for a fact that obviously Fortnite is a massive uh, cash generator on on PlayStation, and that's uh, and that's you know that's them kind of making thirty percent of the revenue for for all of the microtransactions that go through. So for them to make hundred percent profit on on things you know their own. Games as a games as a surface game it just makes absolute sense. Like I say, when when you kind of sit down and, and think about how it all works. Um, yeah, I, sorry. Yeah, go. On. No, I was I was just going to say I agree with you. People perhaps you know purportedly you know talk about synergies and plans and overpayments etc. So I only had two quick points in there. You, you're talking about a company um, you're acquiring potentially for 2.4, right? If milestones and, and certain things aren't aren't hit, right? And then it then it'll go up to 3.6. And you're talking about a company in Sony that write off, I think, over $5 billion in R&D costs, right? So it kind mm. of puts it a little bit into perspective. And I think if I'm the CEO of, of Sony, right? And I've greenlit this deal, right? From, from Japan. The only thing that I care about is the without emotion, without attachment, right? And regardless of which division, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of uh, reviewing, right? It's the intrinsic and potential value that Bungie bring, right? Midterm to, to long-term and what it offers in terms of uh, market leadership, right? I won't go into all of that because everyone's talking about it already and it's all written down in the press releases. Uh, market leadership, uh, profits and revenue, right? And, and how that positive uh, sort of positively compounds and uh, sort of exponentially boosts or multiplies Sony's market cap. And, and that's what I'd be looking towards, right? And, uh, and at the end of the day, you've got to speculate to accumulate, right? Yeah. And grow your business. Absolutely. And like you say, you know, there, there is a roadmap there by the looks of things and, and very few people have seen that. So Sony obviously like what they see. Luke, you, you mentioned um, when you said earlier about, you know, Bungie seem to be holding a lot of the cards in this deal. And obviously, you know, that they've vehemently stated that things will remain multi-platform. Um, are we are we to assume that they kind of include Xbox in there or do you or do we think by multi-platform they mean PlayStation and, and PC? No, I, th I mean, I think Xbox is included in that. You know, I think um, uh, I think I read somewhere, it might have been in a PlayStation FAQ or Bungie one or 
something like that that they, they in fact i think it was a it might have even been the jim ryan interview i can't remember which one but it was it's definitely out there where you know uh they they basically say that includes rival consoles right so mm. you know they're, they're very express about this isn't just a you know multi-platform by a a loose definition of the word it's on multiple platforms i.e playstation and pc i think they really do mean that you know it's it's going to be on um games going forward from bungie will be on xbox as well so um and i think it you know that makes sense i think i think the thing to it's difficult to perhaps wrap your head around is that every other acquisition that sony have done in the last few years it's very clear what the aim is the aim is to you know grab a developer that they've worked with for a long time um usually you know some playstation exclusives um and continue that trend before someone else snaps them up or gets them to do something multi-platform um and also obviously to which is the whole point of m a in general which is to you know make a make a targeted smart investment and you know bring some synergies to a company that over the long term will increase the value of the company and increase the value of the things that they produce right you know whether that's game sales or, or otherwise so um and this one is really different because it, it's still all of that but it's not about you know that that I, I do like the moyang comparison mm. which is to say you know it's 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 kind of this one is about a lot of things but it's predominantly i think about one bringing you know bungie's expertise to their existing studios who are making these live service games but don't have experience in them and they've expressly stated that and the second one is is just a recurrent revenue stream right like a as guaranteed a revenue stream as you can you can get in gaming you know a, a successful live service game that has a very dedicated fan base that you know um only the other day you know one million pre-orders for the witch queen expansion um you know it's it's quite it's quite rare right i mean you don't there, there are a lot of service games out there but most of them are, are properly free to play and you know they solely rely on cosmetics and destiny does to an extent and it is free to play as a base model but also you know it has these really kind of almost old-fashioned expansions that a lot of games don't don't have now you know you don't you don't see that um they used to see it heavily back in the world of warcraft heydays but but not now so i, I think it's really interesting and I, uh, you know it's 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 a good it's a good move for for both and it, it is unique because you've essentially got you know bungie acting as if they are independent still except they're not it, truly independent because they have to answer more specifically to a a much larger shareholder um the only shareholder now um but um i don't yeah i just find it a, a quite a fascinating deal and i think that you know um i think it will pay itself off quite quickly um yeah. through a combination of one the revenue from destiny two you know revenue from bungie's future games but also the expertise um they will bring to other first party studios yeah, no, uh, to be honest, I, I completely agree. Um, VJ. Uh, yes, sir. Oh, uh, oh, hang on. Sorry, I've lost my where I've, I've written a question down for you. I can't remember where it is now. Where is it? Hang on, let me just scroll down. Uh, Good thing is it's not Mastermind. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, 
Yeah, it was, it's been mentioned actually um, elsewhere on, on the internet. And I found this quite an interesting point actually. That um, do, do you think that this, uh, you, you know, we know this is a strategic purchase. That that's you know that's that's not to be discussed yeah. really. But do you think this is actually, uh, as we were saying, you know, the the to to, to flatten out the, the revenue curves, as it were, to actually try and help other first party you know story driven shooters that are on the platform do you think because obviously it's been mentioned a few times that the playstation um exclusives particularly like i say around the uh the story driven narrative sort of third person games are becoming very expensive so do you think this is a, a move to kind of subsidize those in some way so so in in, in so doing you know although these will remain multi-plat they actually fund the um the the uh, the first party titles in some way. No, I, I see. I I totally understand where people may be coming from, and as I say to you, said to you at the, uh, during like when I was talking about Sony, it's about de-risking your business, right? And uh, we know that if your first party content or your first party investment isn't paid back, I think that they look at every single studio as a cost center, and I think that they look at how the teams evolve over a period of five years and mm -hmm. i think that's partly why i know people are up in arms that why isn't their days gone too and i think that's partly why they've gone about either you know not green lighting days gone too not perhaps because the game didn't do particularly well because let's be honest right the, the some of these games are selling you know eight to ten million and i was even surprised to see god of war send, selling you know 20 million units mm. and obviously we know right that that the price points cascade significantly um uh, on first party games especially at 70 dollars it's, it's a niche market right so but i think that in de-risking your business you've got to look at um where it is that um your business is generating the most income and if you look at sony and, and microsoft or any publisher or, or any platform holder you've got all the data data points to see where the profitability is and microtransactions have been around for what, 15, 16 years? And, um, and EA and Activision have pounced on that, right? To sort of anything from sort of um, loot boxes, you know, and, and the controversy that that's built up. But I think that when you've got games like Fortnite, um, and, and as I said to you, Sony knew back five, six years ago that all these games are based on microtransactions and they are making far more sustainable predictable cash flow hmm. um, and we've they've got to be sort of within the conversation of that happening and i think what was it yesterday that the financial director said came out and said look we bought bungie for their expertise as well as anything else hmm. and we're going to have 10 live service games and everyone's saying oh 10's too many well let's think of it in terms of movies right because we can talk about like um we can talk about it in terms of tentpole games that they make like the story driven narrative games but out of those 10 games it's pretty much like 10 movies, right? From a studio, you know, um, two or three of them are going to prop up the others because a couple of them will perhaps may fail. Five of them may break even and one or two or perhaps three, if you're lucky, will will make substantial amounts of money. So it's about spreading your risk. And I think that um, to a degree, right? If, if you look at say Naughty Dog, right? They had a huge hit with uh, The Last of Us. I don't know if The Last of Us 2 broke even, right? As you said, you know, considerable amount of expenditure goes into these games. But I think that it is still a marquee studio. And I think Sony are the sort of company that don't, if they require a studio, they don't drop you 
the behest of one bad performing game, unless the unless the culture or if there's something that doesn't culturally sit with them. And I think, as I said, that's why I think Ben Studios has, has been perhaps put, put on a kaitas or has had a leadership change. So I think there is a degree to of truth of what you're saying. I think if if a particular studio doesn't perform over um, with one or two games, then regardless of how much money uh, another sort of um, return on investment uh, module within within PlayStation is making, I don't think they're going to subsidize, you know, a, a poor performing studio, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you say, I guess every studio is is, is its own island, as it were, and needs to, to make the money to be able to fund and, the next game. And and you've seen that, right, with, um, with who were the guys? Was it Cygnosis that were making Wipeout and all those games, right? Yes, and then yes. they've had numerous studios in the UK um, that they've shut down. They've shut down studio. Well, look at the studios um, in Japan. That's called, caused an uproar. Is that why they call closing down Japan studios? So I, I think that kind of speaks to the fact that, look, if, if um, a specific studio uh, is not pulling its weight, then there's no point in carrying it. And I don't think Sony are in a position to do that, uh, if I'm honest with you, um, uh, uh, Flat. But having said that, if they do end up building something counter to uh, Game Pass, that may change the dynamic because they will want variety in terms of the content that they need to uh, channel through that service. Well, we were and talking, yeah, I mean, we mentioned on, I think it must have been last week's show, possibly the show before about, no, I think it was the show before with the acquisition um, of um, Activision, how perhaps something like Game Pass, uh, again, could help flatten out the, the revenue peaks and troughs and actually allow something like Call of Duty to actually skip a year to, to get some extra quality in there and get some get some buy-in back from not only the fan base but but beyond and perhaps trying to claw back some of the others. So so do you think perhaps something like Game Pass and Project Spartacus or whatever may also do something like that to help try and flatten the curve? I don't know. I I love Game Pass. I spend 50% of my gaming time in it. I know mm. you mentioned Call of Duty and Activision, but uh, yeah, I have to look at it like this, right? For Activision, even the worst selling Call of Duty is still probably contributing a significant mm. amount of revenue yeah. to Activision on an annual basis. I think Sony, with the multitude of studios that they've got, if one studio is not particularly performing I, look i'm not saying they'll go in and close naughty dog but they'll look at it and they think right how do we fix this right and they're very patient mm. right because they've invested so much the studio's given so much and so the relationship that sony have uh, as a creative company a very creative company is reciprocal right they'll give them every chance to succeed i think activision is a and call of duty is different right can can they i i don't know how many how is it 30 million copies and then how many hundreds of millions of dollars in, in revenue yeah, in terms yeah. of microtransactions can they really afford not to release that every year unless they've got something in the pipeline that can replace that lost revenue in within a year? I, 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 these are difficult questions to answer, uh, sir. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And to be honest, you know, like you say, we, we've got a few years before we even find out with that because obviously the roadmap is set all the way up until yeah. 2024, I believe. So that, that, you know, I think lots of Call of Duty fans, and, and I appreciate we're off topic slightly here, but it is kind of related. Um, you know, lots of Call of Duty fans are kind of thinking, well, you know, perhaps we we need to, or the series needs to have a year off, sort of regroup, regather yeah. itself and stuff. And like I say, we I'm, mentioned I'm, that perhaps Game Pass would be the vehicle that would allow that to happen. Happen on some level. 
I, I have to be honest with you, is that I haven't played a Call of Duty game in about 10 or 15 years. And, mm. and it's funny you should say, because the game I'm playing right now, I'm playing through the campaign of uh, Cold... Is it Cold War? Or Cold, yeah, Cold War. Like Cold War's last year's one. Well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so let's let's get back on track if we can. Pucks Games as a service, you know, and as VJ alluded to, you know, there's there's potentially ten in the pipeline. Uh, are you a particularly a games as a service fan? Because I know that I'm not particularly, and I don't know a huge swathe of people are. I think lots of casuals kind of like these games as a service and stuff. But uh, but where do you think the market for for games as a service games are? Oh wow. Um... I was going to say, I was instinctively going to say maybe towards more of the casual crowd, but obviously, but I don't mean casual, casual. I'm talking, you know, young kids and teenagers and whatever else are really, you know, especially when you, you know, haven't got any income and buy, can't buy a load of games, free to play is the best way to go. And if you ever mm. get some pocket money to spend on V Bucks in Fortnite, for example, yeah, yeah. it's enough to keep you going for a long time, especially if you've got everyone on the playground or whoever else playing it with you, right? So I think from, from what I see, um, I think free to play definitely excels in you know for those kind of age groups at least um, like pr- predominantly. I mean, I'm not saying just those groups. I I dabble in Fortnite now and again. I may play it on and off for two or three months, and you know I've now not played it for probably about four or five months now. So I definitely drop on and off of of, of that kind of game. But for the most part, I'm not too into live service games. I mean, things like I know when Modern Warfare. The reboot first came out what in 2019 wherever it was um you know obviously started introducing the whole concept of cod cod points whatever you've called it you had to pay for and you got a battle pass and that kind of thing and now it's constantly recurring and it linked in with warzone and stuff um i know back you know back a couple of years ago when we was playing that pretty hardcore at the time you know we was playing it enough it was almost worth the investment of i've put all this time into it i might as well spend the six quid for some points for the pass to get all of these unlockables and that you know and I don't mind that as, as a one-off or whatever, especially when you know that if you're playing it long enough and it almost pays for itself, if you get enough points for the next season, that kind of thing, then I think it's fine. But for me, for the most part, outside of those occasions, I don't tend to dabble in it. I think even in single-player games, like uh, I think Assassin's Creed Valhalla is probably a good example of, you know, it's not a multi massive multiplayer game necessarily, but it kind of definitely is leans into that live service of having to buy real world money credits of whatever it is helix whatever it's called and you know you can get skins and lockables and it's it never seems to end but I mean, my opinion of things like that especially if it's single player I, I i appreciate you know dlc and things like that is perfectly fine if people want to pay for it then pay for it if you don't then you don't but i think when these when these kind of mechanisms in especially in massive story driven single player games and that kind of thing i you know it's it doesn't bother me you know, you know, it doesn't massively bother me just because of the fact that, you know, it's a feature that's there, but it's not always thrown in my face, which is, you know, and I can kind of just forgive it. But I have seen a kind of more of a trend where even, you know, games you pay a lot of money for enjoying a massive single player experience. And then, you know, every maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, you'll get some sort of pop up to remind you that, hey, you can spend money to buy points mm-hmm. to buy these cosmetics to help you get level up 15 hours faster than if you play this the slow way and all that kind of stuff, which I think personally is wrong. And it kind of, that's, that's not why I, I didn't play the game to buy my way to finish it. You know, you pay for it to enjoy the experience, however long that may be. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm traveling on a little bit, I know, but I am no, but ultimately I think, I think not a massive clearly, I, live I service game. Puxter, I think you're clearly depicting um, a generational gap, right? Mm. Because 
want to sometimes do a search like to see how many Fortnite players are around. There's 111 million, and I'm like, I'm like flap. I'm thinking, I don't even know one of them. Who are these people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who are these people? Exactly. Yeah, no, it's interesting because, like you say, you know, I'm, I'm by multi-platform. You know, I'm guessing potentially mobile and stuff as well. You know, because. Yeah. You know, mm. Fortnite. Fortnite is is massive on the mobile platform, and uh, you know, if Sony really do want to generate some some serious cash out of this, then then you do obviously have to expand and 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 explore all of those kind of um, those kind of platforms that you can get it on. And and having ten titles seems a little bit over the top. And like you say, VJ, I appreciate. Um, you know, you, you throw enough mud at the wall, let's say, and see what sticks. Yeah. But but also, you know, that there's there's plenty of platforms. You know, you could have a, a mobile only kind of um, games as a service to to roll out across the world and just you know trickle this money in constantly. I, I would say I would say um, Phil is this right? He said uh, he said ten games by 2026. But hmm. come come 2026, how many of us are going to remember this conversation? And my point being is that how many of those ten will get past conception, right? How many of those will yeah, get past, you know, the, the uh, sort of R&D phase? And that, how many of them will see the light of day? And that's a far more interesting question. But unfortunately, I don't have a crystal ball. But Luke has. Yeah, well, Luke, uh, are you a games as a service player? I, I wouldn't say that you are. I'd be interested to know. No, no, I'm not. Hmm. Um, I mean, it, it depends. I think the, the thing is... Um, you know, games as a service, it's a very it's a very broad term. And I think when people think about it, they think of, you know, very specific games like like Fortnite and like Destiny, um, you know, Apex Legends, etc. And they are all games as a service. But, you know, new Assassin's Creed games are also games as a service. You know, they have recurrent monetization, cosmetic expansions, um, you know, daily challenges, rewards, etc. But they're all within a single-player context, right? They're all, you know, action RPG-ish type games. Um, and so I don't, I mean, I don't think that, you know, does 10 sound like a lot? In isolation, yes. When you think about that's over four years, probably not. And also, you know, we don't know the, the type of games that they are, right? So, and I'm not saying, you know, they're going to count you know, they're going to put microtransactions into Spider-Man 2 or anything like that. Hmm. But I, I mean more, you know, we know, what do we know about, you know, what's pretty kind of guaranteed? Well, Factions 2, right, is, is pretty guaranteed, but that's a Naughty Dog game. Who knows what that looks like in terms of a, a multiplayer experience? You know, we, we know what Factions was like, but this is supposedly a lot more ambitious. So they may meld it in with a lot of their storytelling, you know, nuance um you know twisted metal is probably another one that's yeah, probably a yeah. pretty solid bit you know that i really love twisted metal so i'm quite excited for that you know i really enjoyed faction so i'm actually quite excited for that um i don't think you know i don't necessarily think these games are going to be trend uh, uh, trend chasers um but i you know they will have ongoing content some form of monetization and that's what pigeonholes them into games as a service uh, and some might not be games as a service so you know fortnite doesn't have an end right it will go on forever for as yeah. long as people are you know invested in it and i don't think some of these games are intended to be like that they will be you know they'll be much like assassin's creed mm. you know odyssey or valhalla right they have a natural end point they're not just ubisoft aren't going to support those games in 15 years time 
And I think that's the same for Sony. They don't expect that, you know, well, we'll get 10 games of service out there and everyone will be a mega success and we'll continue supporting them for 25 years. It's more that there'll be games that will hopefully for them have good success out of the gate in terms of sales. And some might be free to play, some might not. And then, you know, over time, certain of those will result in more lasting support and others will kind of just kind of fizzle out as many games of service do. That's not... That's not a bad thing. Um, it's just that most games have a shelf life. There are very few that 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 don't, right? Uh, and we, we can count on one hand the ones that pretty much don't. So um, I think it's in, you know it's it's interesting, and I think the important thing is, and the thing that I was was concerned about was that I you know I, I always quite wanted Sony to branch out into more multiplayer games because mm. even though I'm not a big multiplayer fan, I think they have a lot of IP and a lot of talented studios that could make great multiplayer games the concern for me was that i don't want sony to stop doing what they're best at because those are just my favorite types of games you know action adventure um big blockbuster triple a single player games and and they uh, yeah yeah, and they aren't you know they they aren't doing that they're A lot of they always they always try and crowbar a multiplayer version of Uncharted and stuff in that that just never really hits it, do they? Don't they? Yeah, it never. Yeah, I mean, Factions was probably the last really successful multiplayer game that they had. Multiplayer Mm. mode that they had, you you know, and and going further back, you got stuff like um, SOCOM, obviously, and Warhawk, etc. And and there are others, but um, I think. you know they're not doing that thing where they're saying, "Okay, you know, um, Gorilla, go and make us a multiplayer game. Forget about single player Horizon." They're saying, "Gorilla, let's scale you up, and let's get you on a second project, and that can be a multiplayer focused game." That's clearly what they, you know, Gorilla have been hiring for a multiplayer game for nearly two years. Mm. So, um, you know, and and they're going out and finding good talented you know startups essentially deviation and haven right that are probably going to make games as a service games but that's not taking away from naughty dog's next big triple a uh single player game or you know ben's next open world game or or you know uh, sucker punch's next game it's not doing that right and that's a that's the important thing i think if it was taking away from that i really wouldn't like it but it's not it's just adding to it and i think that's only a good thing yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, Bungie comes with a wealth of experience on on how to get these games as a service up and running. So, like you say, yeah. if other if other PlayStation Studios can can capitalize on that, then then it's win win. Certainly for certainly for PlayStation, I guess. Uh, sorry, Vijay. I, I was just going to say uh, just something uh, Luke was saying. I think if you're trying to, in my experience, if you if you try to conscript um, a studio into doing something. A, that they're either they're not experienced or B, they're not passionate about. It's a recipe for disaster. Mm. I think to your point, uh, Flat, that I think, look, I enjoy single-player narrative-driven games and uh, I'm, I'm not sure about the panel, so I won't speak for everybody or, or, the, or the audience in the chat, but to look back in a few years, you know, if, I come, if, you're, if I'm allowed back on the show um, and saying, you know, it's really sad to see that the PlayStation 4 um, uh, was the generation of... Um, narrative driven you know video games right single player video games and and they're a thing of the past right i, I i'm with luke on you on that that would be mm. really really sad so and and um what's really helped establish sony right has been their exclusives um and you'd have to say spider-man and god of war 
I don't know the sales numbers on the other titles have been incredibly successful. And we've heard in the past that even if a game sells five million, right, it's it's not it's not a um, how can, a, a huge success or a success that's that's pleasing to shareholders, right, of, of a mm. given project, let alone the shareholders that are, that are wanting to make money. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that you know retain what you can in terms of the the core values and the strengths of the studios in terms of what they make and what Luke says is a really good point. If if a given studio has the potential or has the passion and has the desire and has the ability to go out and expand a, a, a specific um, division or idea of, within that division of making a game that is, say, as you would put it, financially lucrative and, and what the market demands today and will be, you know, um, warranted in five years time or whatever the time frames are for some of these games i'm sure they're going to be staggered um it, it's quite important right to move with the times otherwise you know we could end up with the wii u or, the, or a virtual boy yeah. Well, yeah um jim ryan's actually on record as saying that you know sony aren't actually done with the spending so there is more to come as well uh, and it, it will be interesting to see what then what niche their next purchase kind of feels, whether it's kind of more of the same or, or whether uh, a little bit like this one, you know, it's slightly uh, off piste as it were for Sony as a, as a business or PlayStation as a business like that, just to see if they're going to diversify a little further, I guess. I'm sorry. Sorry. And, and that's a good point. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know he'd said that. Is that it just sort of cements my point in the terms of how they move very, very shrewdly. Mm. If they can fund it out of their own cash flow, they will, because what does that allow you to do? It allows you to spend more money in, on other opportunities, right? If they'd have just gone to Japan and said, oh, we need a $3.6 billion bank loan because we need to pay all cash up front, then I don't think Jim would be saying that. So it just goes to the point that they're very shrewd operators. Yeah, no, he, he, he actually said, uh, expect more acquisitions. So uh... Hopefully this channel. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're up for four and a half billion, I'm afraid. So uh, they're gonna have to dig deep. They're gonna have to dig deep. Can we knock off the vat for cash? Yeah, I might do. Yeah, I might do. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, let, let's try and bring in the next topic if we can, and it's kind of around the exclusivity, and it's it's kind of come about because of MLB 2022, really. Um, and perhaps we'll come to you on this one, Pucks. Again, you know, it, it's coming to Game Pass day and day, uh, but also Switch as well. And, uh, you know, again, it's had a few people asking the questions around Sony exclusivity and things like that. Now, I, I guess, and perhaps panel, correct me if I'm, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I was under the impression that perhaps last year's MLB coming to Game Pass was perhaps a one-off, see how it went. But I, I'm starting to wonder, actually, if this was probably a, a three-game deal or something like that, um, that that's that's going ahead. If it wasn't a three-game deal and they were doing it one game at a time, then then obviously it's lucrative enough for, for Sony to jump back in and get it back on Game Pass, I guess. Actually, we'll come to you just quickly, VJ. Well, what's your take on that? Do you, do you think there was a deal done or do you think they're doing it one at a time? What, on MLB? Yeah, coming to uh, Game Pass. I, I think that MLB, I think that the... I think you've got to look at it from MLB's perspective is that they did a deal with Sony back in 2012, 2013, I think mm. something like that. And then the deal was renewed, right? And it changed from being exclusive to the press release was something, I can't remember exactly. It was like a partnership. Mm. So you've got to look at it from MLB's perspective. They're looking at other um, sports licenses, say, let's just say FIFA for Europe and the NFL. And they're obviously looking at those guys and thinking, hang on a minute, look how much more revenue that they're bringing in. And, I think that the MLB have almost something like 400 consumer product licenses uh, that they hand out to, to different companies all over the world. And 
for every company, especially Nintendo and, and Sony this last gen, uh, licensing has been hugely profitable. Mm. And I think MLB have gone and said, look, if you want to renew this date, you've got to put this game on Xbox because you're just simply not paying us enough money. And you've got to look at it from Sony's perspective, right? The game doesn't really sell astonishing numbers. I think the most it's ever sold is a million units. And the majority okay. of those units, I've got to say that they sell at $20. From Xbox's point of view, you've got to look at it. Well, hang on a minute. Because I think MLB are the publisher of Note. So I, I kind of feel that uh, Sony is saying, you know what, fine, we'll, we'll make the game, we'll publish it on PlayStation. And MLB said, right, we'll, we'll pay you for the dev cost. We'll be the publisher for this game. And they've gone and done a deal with Game Pass and saying, listen, you know, we want to publish this game. And Microsoft has said, hang on a minute, we, we generate $1.5 billion in subscription fees. And they'll probably give them a forecast what matches Sony. And I reckon, I don't think it's costing them more than 6 to $12 million, right, to stick it in Game Pass, which is a really small percentage of that $1.5 billion. And, and, and a couple of reasons why I think they're doing that, right, is number one is it's a really good opportunity to offer diversity within game pass i think we could all agree that right because that's what game pass is all about right but there are other connotations and implications involved and one of those is being that remember is that microsoft is trying to break into the asian market what's the number one national sport in japan it's baseball what's mm. the it's even more popular than sumo wrestling that uh, have you believe and it's true and i think in korea it's number two as the most popular national sport and I was surprised when I, when I was in Korea, but baseball's everywhere. And I think, again, in Taiwan, it's the national sport. And, and let's be honest, those three territories, along with Singapore and probably um, Australia, are, are massive or key, key percentage or a, or a significant percentage of probably 60, 70% of the Asia Pacific market. So, so it's just these little, little deals that will help, um, help um, Microsoft. I think there's a benefit for Sony. I think there's benefit for Microsoft and there's definitely benefit for MLB, right? Especially when they're looking to increase their rev. Everybody's looking to do it. I think for me, um, let's just put the MLB aside. I think in this kind of modern age, if we can call it that, I, I think sports titles should be multi-format now. And I, if you really want to celebrate anything, it should be that MLB will come to not just the Xbox, but is it available on Switch and PC? I don't know. Because sport in general is supposed to be universally and, and socially all inclusive right that's what we teach our kids and and i don't even know if the inclusion of crossplay is currently exists but i think that wouldn't go amiss either right and then people can slug it out no pun intended mm -hmm. <laughs> you know which version is the better via crossplay on sony or xbox and i think sony always enjoy a good exclusive we we kind of all know that or a or a good lockup of an exclusive for an extended period of time right that's that, that's their business model I hate love it or hate it and mlb i think they could have just turned around and said look how much more are you looking for and i think mlb may have said well, we're looking for 15 million dollars more because at the end of the day it would have just come down to business and and the numbers to retain exclusive and i think sony have just looked at it and said you know what looking at the units we're sent, selling is it really a revenue or a profit leader? You know, is it really a PlayStation equity builder? And um, and is it really going to make a significant difference? And I think they've said no. And they've said, fine, you know, you, you know, we'll take the license. We'll be a partner. The game only scores six on the Metacritic each and every year or 6.5 or whatever it is. I don't want to do the game a disservice in case you love baseball. Mm -hmm. And I think Sony have shown yet again to their credit that they're being pragmatic and not emotional and not reactive and it's just horses for courses and at the end of that i think everybody wants to make money and i think the winner out of this has got to be uh, the mlb and and xbox right and uh, sony parting wave is something that they don't think that's worth retaining
Yeah, no, I, 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 and to be honest, it feels like we've gone back a year when we were all having these conversations about a year ago, uh, having very similar conversations, I guess. I guess yeah. slightly different this time around because obviously it's on Game Pass yet again and obviously coming to the yeah. Switch as well. Pux, is, is uh, MLB something you've ever dived into? Did you ever download 2021 purely because it was on Game Pass to give it a go? No, unfortunately not. Sports games, like especially uh, sports games in general, aren't really my bag. So... <laughs> I, I have no interest in them, never really have done. So, no, short answer there. I, no, I've never done it. I bet, if it, I bet you would be interested if it was Halo baseball. <laughs> no, you know what? I mean, it's going to shock you. I, I have not even finished Halo Infinite yet. This is, I've kind of realized through, if I enjoy, I'm enjoy, I enjoy playing Halo Infinite, but uh, I kind of realized how much of a Halo fan I'm not playing it, if that makes sense. <laughs> I, um, I, I finished the campaign over Christmas and um, bar one annoying side quest. I, I really enjoyed it. So anyway, sorry, I don't want to distract you. No, sorry, but uh, what was the question again? Sorry. Well, if you've played um, MLB uh, 2021, but also, you know, the fact that it's on Game Pass yet again, I guess that's a bit of a poke in the eye to Sony fans who play MLB. I, like like you say, VJ, it's not going to be a, a huge market out there for that but i guess getting it in game pass and getting it for free in inverted commas again um yeah it strengthens strengthens and improves the service and as i said to you you know um i I don't know about the rest of the panel but i i I, to be fair i I spend 50 percent of my time gaming in game pass yeah that's interesting that because um you know if if projects uh spot i actually i don't suppose you have you got a ps5 or have you got a ps4 vj I have no PlayStation devices. Oh, wow. And here, I am def- here I am defending the company. <laughs> no, fair enough. No, that's interesting because you know, obviously if you had uh, Project Spartacus or whatever that's going to, whatever form that's going to take, I- I'd be interested to know if people are going to have multiple subscriptions. I'm guessing if you've got both platforms, then you absolutely will. I- I've always been interested to see if there's going to be any overlap between the two um services like that or, or whether you know pretty much everything's going to be tied down to you'll come on our service and our service only uh, when it comes to games so that could kind of divide divide the two services like that quite starkly i guess fantastic okay um <clears throat> luke we haven't heard from you for a little while um yeah mlb i'm guessing you're not big on sports games to be honest <laughs> Uh, certainly mm. not MLV. Uh, okay. Used to be pretty, pretty big on um, on Pro Evo and FIFA uh, to to a greater or lesser extent, depending on the mm. year. Um, but uh, I've not played either of those. And and uh, well, I played Pro Evo a couple of years ago, but yeah, not not an MLV. I uh, I don't care for baseball at all. Um, did but, you think? Uh, did you, I, do, you th- do you think it coming to the Switch would was was down to MLB to make that kind of decision? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think MLB are pretty much in charge of in mm. charge of that now, at least in terms of the license and where it goes and the terms okay. on which it goes places. I think um, it's it's. I agree with everything that's been said. I think it's um, it's, you know, I don't think Sony would have kicked up that much of a fuss because MLB is not a system seller. Um, it does pretty well. Um, you know, always gets about a million units plus, which is good. You know, for a. a what is you know in most countries in the world a pretty niche sport um uh but also you know sony are going to get some revenue from all of this you know so they'll obviously get the revenue from it being on their 
platform but also absolutely no question they will get some revenue from it going somewhere else you know on game pass on xbox on switch um you know and uh that's just extra cash in their pocket for really no extra effort or very extra effort probably the switch will be the most effort if it's a native port right mm. this year but equally it could make a, a fair bit of a fair bit of cash for them so um yeah I don't, I don't think i don't think they were that bothered about this and i think it is it is very ironic that it it comes to game pass and yeah. you know this the the series obviously is kind of always been on playstation and if you want to have it on its quote unquote home you know on playstation um you've got to pay full whack for it but for people i know how many people are going to move platform for that and i think that's probably what sony looked at they were like most people will just pay the you know they're not a lot of people won't even know it's on xbox a lot of people right or, or switch or anywhere else yeah because they only they only have a playstation and they only ever play it there so um It'd be interesting to see what happens when uh you know spartacus kind of hits if if it's a cut the type of game that will go in there and, and if they try and get it in there just as a almost a parity really uh between that and game pass um i, I don't know but uh i won't be playing it either way so <laughs> um dash, yeah. we've dashed my hopes and dreams now <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I know, I know. Do, do you think we're seeing a slightly different Sony in terms of perhaps looking at, at, at revenue generation across platforms rather than just, you know, system sellers and things like that? Is this something historically Sony have kind of been known for? Um, I think it's uh, it, it is, it's a, a fairly new direction for them, I think. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, they, they've always... The last few years, it's been a really slow process for them doing this. You know, it's very tentative, very tentative steps into, um, you know, putting their games elsewhere. But I think, you know, the, the big, the huge thing that I think has influenced them um, is is not Game Pass or anything like that. I, I'm sure they look at that and they're like, that's a potentially very good service. But they've got 48 million PlayStation plus subscribers right they make an enormous amount of money you know more than i think their revenue for ps plus alone is is a lot more than game pass for example so i don't think they're driven by a real need to you know they're not driven by oh where is the future going uh it's going to subscription services let's kind of branch out from that or anything I think the big thing that they've been driven by in the last few years is the experiments, if you want to call them that, that they've okay. done on PC. You know, on their plot, on with with stuff like um, Days Gone and Uncharted. Now, well, and, it's uh, interesting. Horizon, it's it's interesting. You call them experiments. Elaborate. Yeah, quote, quote unquote experiments. I think mm. they, that's what they started as. Mm. Um, they started as a way to see, you know, first of all, would their games be successful on that platform, and then secondly would that impact the sales of the game or you know um individuals uh, in their ecosystem specifically on playstation and the answer to the first question is they've been really successful on pc and mm. they've made a lot of money uh, and and the way they've done that is obviously to bring the games kind of after their shelf life almost you know after everybody who's going to buy them at a decent price on playstation has already bought the game you know you bring it to pc and you open it up to a fresh audience and then on the the second point you know i think that they've 
you know that they're looking at the numbers on PlayStation and and they're only going up right they're only the success is ongoing on that platform what what they're doing on the PC side isn't impacting what they're doing on the console side so uh, you know now it seems to be a pretty stable part of their um their release schedule right that they release a game and after a certain amount of time first party it comes to PC and I'm sure like you know, I'm sure within the next 12 months you will see the likes of Returnal hitting that, you know, on PC um, and and other games. There's still stuff like Dreams, which probably should have been on PC a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you'll get that. And I think, you know, that they've just been encouraged by the fact that they can bring some of their games to other platforms, specifically PC, and make a lot of money from it. Um, now you're seeing them kind of go, okay, well, we're quite happy with that. So let's go in a, you know, let's, let's keep bending this path forward, you know, with Bungie and the way that they'll operate. And it's, it's, I'll be really interested to see if, you know, in the next year they take a, another experiment and go a bit further and go, okay, well, you know, let's put this game day and day on PC as well Mm. as PlayStation and see what happens. And they might do that. They might do that for something like, um, you know, one of their games as a service games. So perhaps something like Factions 2 releases in that way. And maybe that's a free-to-play game, you know. And and, and it's all this kind of branching out. And I think that they're just taking these tentative steps in these different areas. And I don't know where they'll end up. Like, I don't know what the end game is. I don't think it's... Right now, I don't think the end game is, is like it is for Microsoft, where it's, you know, wherever game passes that's where you can play our games but i do think that they will they will start opening it up even further for sure mm, that's interesting and to be honest i'd like I'd, i'm interested to see if vj concurs with with you know the fact we might be seeing a slightly different sony going down a slightly different path at the moment and whether whether you think and again you know i know this is a topic that's been done a million times but but whether you think that you know they, they might start speeding up their their pc releases of some of their um, premium IPs and, and like Luke says you know one day day and date um, PC releases um, I think it's the tortoise and hare approach right I think Microsoft went pretty much went in you know went in head first right mm. <laughs> you know, one of the Olympic swimmers and um, and I think I think experiment I, I don't know could, could you could you replace experiment with a conservative approach and uh, th- there's a really good quote right that um what is it oh my goodness i'm now uh, yeah those that lead provide guidance for those that follow and i can i can see where sony are in this from that aspect and then and you and you kind of look at the bungee deal right it's like a pseudo start right in that direction as well so i think i think if you're if you're sony um and with hindsight that you can now now realize that if you're going to create a dedicated home system right you're going to sell about 100 million units right and sony are definitely <laughs> yeah 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 sony are right and uh, xbox may do the same this generation who, yeah, who knows and um and then to your point earlier about you know ex- increasing development costs right then you've got to couple that with recouping extremely costly uh, game productions right uh only across that same sort of user base of 100 million so i think i think if you're if you're looking at it as a business, you've something's got to give. And uh, Sony are not blind to the fact that they have what potentially a hundred million PC gamers, of which a small percentage will person purchase a four-year-old game at fifty dollars. I don't know the exact numbers. I'm, I'm hearing that Horizon Zero Dawn did a million units and whatnot, and God of mm. War got off to a really great start. And then, and then you've got 
and to your production costs again, right? And they're compounded further because like I speak to some recruiters here in, in uh, Los Angeles and uh, Microsoft and Google are paying, let's just say significantly increased wages for very similar talent. And, that, uh, and those sort of wages are on offer here now. And, and if you extrapolate the impact of that, right? Over again, that takes what, five years to create? You can understand why Sony have kind of had to push to some degree, some degree, not, I'm not saying it's the entire reason to a seven years. I say Sony is conservative and still will stage this process uh, of any transition to to alienate what I would say that PlayStation 4 is, which is a cash cow, right? They don't want to mm. alienate that audience. And, and I think that from a marketing PR uh, perspective, you, I'm sure you've heard these terminologies, but reprogramming or remodifying an audience is is an art form. You do it in a way that creates the least amount of ripples, especially on Twitter, I guess, and amongst fanboys. But since since Xbox do it, gamers are are more accepting of it, right? Um, and and I think that I haven't seen the backlash of Sony placing this content on PC. It used to be Sony, don't you dare do it, or we'll boycott your system, and that's the whole <laughs> point of exclusive and blind hardware. And I think that narrative is slowly but surely dissipating, right? And it's now, I think it will take a turn with Sony, come on, catch up with modern times, just release it on both systems. Everybody's okay with it now. And it's like almost like a reverse psychology. I'm, I'm maybe totally need of psychiatric help myself but <laughs> but see it seems to be something along those lines and as i was saying pc gamers uh, are willing to pay like you know 50 dollars for a four-year-old game and i'm not a pc gamer so you, you'll have to ch- jump in and tell me that whether there's been a backlash to it or not or people have just been accepting of the fact that i've got to pay 50 dollars for this you know for this enhanced version on pc while that same game is available for ten to twenty dollars, or sometimes given away for free in PlayStation Plus, as um, as Luke was mentioning, right? In terms of the value that it offers, and that data in itself should tell you a lot in terms of what the next steps as a company uh, that you need to take, or could take, or will take, without too much uh, public negativity, right? And and, and to your point, in terms of the timing of these things, the timing of piece releases is the big question. Uh, will a gap of three to four years, can it be shortened? And if they do so, um, you know, again, data we're not privy to, you know, what, how will that play out, right? Especially if the, the sales numbers on PC wouldn't particularly be significantly higher, regardless of when they launch. So, so this, what I'm saying to you, there's tons and tons and tons of things to, to consider here. And I don't know the answers because I just don't have the data, right? And I don't know if it's publicly available to really kind of, you know, hone into what Sony would do. So, I mean, Demon Souls and, and Returnal, I think a game that um, Luke's a big fan of as examples are not top tier sellers for Sony, but will sell, a, you know, sell, well, we'll I, I'm assuming we'll see the light of day on PC, right? As, as full on releases, right? And once they fulfill the potential of PlayStation 5, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that in the terms of exhaust their sales potential on PlayStation 5. And I, I don't know if Sony need to go that far, right? And when those games are $20 and then put them onto the PC, it, it's interesting uh, as well. Um, as I say, you know, I would love to hear from, from you guys. Is there a complaint in the PC community as, as to why they're having to pay $50 for such an old game or are they happy to do so? 
I, to be honest, I don't think they are. There's 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 lots of discounts and stuff on Steam a lot of the time, and I think and perhaps Luke and Pugsley were all PC gamers. I think PC gamers are slightly elitist, so they know they're getting the best version of the game, and and it's still cheaper to buy yeah. that on on PC than than go and get yourself a PS4 or PS5, and then go and get the game as well. I guess. Pucks, Luke, what's your take? Yeah, no, I, I mean that's spot on. I think uh, actually the, you know, the PC community in general seems uh, very receptive to um, Sony bringing games there, and um, all all of the games that they have brought have been actually pretty big successes. Particularly the likes of you know Horizon and, and God of War is I think for the last couple of weeks it's been number one seller on Steam. So, um, you know, and as you say, Flap, there's a, there's a different, there's also kind of a crossover audience as well, which is people that have played the games uh, on PlayStation and they're willing to double dip, you know, and play them again and have a unfettered, hardware dependent, unfettered kind of top tier experience, which you just, you don't get on PlayStation, right? You don't, you know, you can if you've got a PS4, you're playing God of War at 1080p, 30 frames a second on, on PC, all bells and whistles, etc. Um, so, uh, and and also, I think as you say, you know, there's the games on PC anyway are still, even though they're old, right? They're old games. They're not old to that audience. They're, they're new games for the majority of that audience. You know, dedicated PC players, they are new games, uh, and uh, and they're cheap. Compared to console games, right? You you know you're paying forty pounds, thirty nine ninety nine for a God of War game um, mm. on on uh, on PC. Whereas you know when Ragnarok hits PlayStation Five, for example, that will be seventy dollars. So um, yeah, I I think you know that it's been a really successful kind of avenue that Sony have gone down, and they seem pretty committed to it now. So I think you'll start seeing more and more and until the point where you get kind of all the first party games are hitting PC mm. at some point, whether that's day and day is a different matter. Right. But I think, I think that's potentially when that's coming in the next couple of years. It's quite strange, isn't it? When fanboys, you, you know, we've all got tribalism kind of instinctively built in us on some level, but, but the, yeah. you know, the fanboys that when, when, when the games go to PC, it, it somehow diminishes their, they're red team versus blue team or, or vice versa. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I don't yeah. know. It seems strange. Pucks, I mean, yeah. you're, a, you're yeah. a PC gamer. Um, if, let's say, you know, Play, PlayStation made the commitment to bring games to PC day and date, would that would that probably stop you from buying a PS5 and then you just literally pick up the games that you want on PC as you go? To an extent, I kind of want to say no. But that's mainly okay. because of, you know, in the current current age of crypto mining all of this kind of stuff and you know graphics cards costing an absolute fortune you know and you and as time goes on you know you're going to need these more and more powerful cards to to be able to run these games how they're intended to be played otherwise there's almost no point and as far as, far as i've seen on i mean obviously not everyone pc is obviously still the most popular platform out there by a massive margin but mm -hmm. i do i do see more and more often people you know saying that they are jumping say jumping ship but they are investing themselves say investing they are but they're investing into a games console for the sole fact that they know they haven't got to worry about anything in terms of having to pay for hardware upgrades do you need more ram or something's gone wrong do you need to upgrade your cpu your again the graphics cards being the worst ones in terms of individual costs at the moment um so 
ultimately, I mean, I mean, I don't have a PS5, but if I had to choose, it's just, I mean, my own personal kind of monetary position at the moment, that kind of thing, I would probably end up, what would be more beneficial for me long term would be to invest in, say, a, a PlayStation 5, because it's, it'll be, it will cost me a lot less in the long run, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, then it would, I mean, arguably you could say, oh, but it's going to cost you 70 quid a game, but then it's, but then for me to, <laughs> the equivalent of an, sorry, to pay for the equivalent PC of which a PS5 is, for example, is, is probably almost what, just over double. <laughs> so in the next, say, I, I mean, I know for me at least in the next, say, two years, if I had a PS5, I wouldn't be spending 500 quids worth plus on, on games in that period of time. So for me in my position, at least, a console would be more beneficial for the long term and it would be cheaper and I have the guarantee that all the games are going to run as intended so yeah that's kind of why I am on that one but I do appreciate that for a lot for the most part a lot of people do like you know playing on PC and as Luke and VJ have said also the reasons are clear right because if you if you are fortunate enough to be able to afford the rig and get the parts you need to build the rigs then yeah it, the experience is second to none so <laughs> it's it all depends on your personal situation it's I find that's a hard hard question to answer and it doesn't obviously have a it's not black and white it's a massive grey area and it's solely dependent on each person's position I guess. It is a strange market the PC market because correct me if I'm wrong Luke but I think the RTX 40 series are due out next year and apparently they're they're saying that there's not going to be the the same issues as, as there's been with the 30 series and stuff and like you say you know lots of PC gamers can be a bit elitist around that sort of thing because it is literally the best experience that you can get um, bang, bang for your buck absolutely a console but but if you want the best of the best then it, then it's pc all the yeah. way i guess yeah, yeah. so uh, fantastic you, you never it, dabbled in pc gaming vj um no but my nephew builds his own pcs and uh, mm. it'd be perfect to have a chat with you guys and um yeah i mean just to your point uh for that but um, I'm not an elitist, unfortunately. No, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just saying that. I just wanted to say that I think the, the, the PC market, I think for for um, for Sony and for Xbox, um, it's just so lucrative. I mean, they've got to find. I mean, so obviously Microsoft are right in, but I, I think it's only a matter of time before Sony find that sweet spot in terms of what they release, when they release it, how much do they release it for, and um, and how long, how much they have to spend. Right, I don't know what the cost is or the development time is. Right, to convert, you know, a PlayStation Five game, um, as as Luke says, with all the modern bells and whistles, based on graph. I don't know how many different graphics cards that they'll have to make the game compatible for, but I'm assuming it's at least what, a year to eighteen months for to, to get a game ready for PC, even if it's finished on a PS Five and Xbox. Even though they they probably use PC um, uh, development uh, environments to create the game in the first place. So I don't know the answers to these questions. So I'll, I'll have to put them over to you. But again, I, I think that the market, the PC market, um, in terms of gamers, and um, it's it's extremely lucrative. And you only have to look at some of the developers, like um, uh, what's that Australian developer for Hollow Knight? Um, Team Cherry, right? Guys like that, right? That that benefit from um, releasing their games on PC. Its potential is huge. Well, absolutely, and Steam is obviously a massive platform that, that you yeah. know that gets those games sold and moving as well. And, and to be honest, like you say, you know, with the cost of games, that there's there is always. Um, discounts and stuff going on in steam so you just got to put it on your wish list bide your time and then you'll be able to get it at 50 percent at some point but uh, i'll tell you what if you're a if you're a good developer and um 
and you want to move to Santa Santa Monica or the Los Angeles area, there's so many game students, so many opportunities for jobs, and uh, the salaries that we're affording right now are, are incredible. It's, it's a good time to be a dev. <laughs> you, there you go, dev, pucks. Uh, there you go, pucks. Go and get an internship you know, over there. You can, earn a, you can earn a lot of money here, <laughs> and then you can earn about. You probably pucks. You could probably put a PC in each of um, each of your um, rooms in your living environment, including the bedroom and the bathroom. Yeah, and, and the gold <laughs> and the golden toilet. <laughs> Oh yeah, I feel like the wife wouldn't appreciate all that. <laughs> no, probably not. No, you'd have to clear it with a boss first. Um, conscious, yeah, I think Pyro's mentioned that we've gone quite a way into the show. We haven't really done any chat. The, the, to be honest, the chat's kind of been kind of dancing around the bits that we've kind of been saying already. But there's a few things in there. Pucks, what have we got? Yeah, I've got a few things saved here. So one here from uh, Parksy1972 says, you still see the narrative on Twitter, but the percentage of PS gamers that are on Twitter is tiny. Most gamers are not interested if the games go to PC day and date. Yeah, I completely agree, to be honest. Uh, I think, like you say, you know, it's only the, the hardcore fanboys that really make, you know, they make the loudest noise, don't you? But but out of 100 million sold last generation, you know, we're not hearing 100 million voices saying that same thing. No. I mean, I think that's the interesting thing about the internet in general, right? That you have this small pool of very loud people and then everyone believes it's every single gamer on the planet thinks this way when <laughs> the well, reality is vastly different from that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, people talk in hyperbole, don't they? We all think this, everyone always does this, they never do that. You know, we, we, we talk in those terms, but like you say, realistically, that's that's not the case whatsoever. <laughs> hmm. uh, another comment here from uh, Pyro M who says, I feel Horizon... Uh, sorry, I feel Horizon... Uh, FW will be announced for PC by, yep, by PC. Sorry, for PC by E3, hitting either November this year or latest next February. Oh, that's interesting. Can, Is that a possibility? Do you reckon? Guys... Go on, VJ. What sorry, was you going to say? I, I was going to say. Um, I, I was saw the Gran Turismo um, showcase yesterday. Could I ask you? Would how would Gran Turismo go down on PC? Oh. Uh, I think pretty well actually because mm. um, you know uh, racing sims in general seem to do quite well on PC you've got a lot of mm. successful racing sims like Azeto is well there's a huge accessories market on PC isn't there yeah massive yeah exactly so um, I think if they did a proper port with really good accessories for um, it would actually be very successful yeah, that's an interesting Absolutely. one, VJ. That's also the first party game. Yeah, perhaps perhaps GT might be the first one to to come to PC quite early. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I've so got one more comment here, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to ask yeah. Luke for yeah, for Horizon Forbidden West. Did, did, how soon do you think that's going to take to come to PC before they announce that it's that it's coming? Do you think they might announce at E3 that Forbidden West is coming? Um, oh, uh, it's, uh, They've held off so far, haven't they? They have held off so far, yeah. And um, I don't know. It depends on how quickly they're speeding up this trend of, you know, because you know how long's a piece of string, right? I don't yeah. like. They might behind the scenes, they might decide. Oh, actually, from now on, we're gonna, you know, one year after the fact, we're gonna bring our our first party games to pc but right now all we have is this very weird cadence of games which you know are releasing multiple years after mm. the original release on playstation so it's it's really hard to judge um is it possible yeah they've got to do it at some point right they've got a, a, a one at some point they will lessen that gap 
but I don't know if Horizon Forbidden West will be. And I don't think they would announce that now because I think what they are pretty adamant on is trying to exhaust as much sales potential out of those games on PlayStation yeah. at the moment as possible. Yeah. Mm. And Horizon Forbidden, I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn was a really big seller. I think it sold over probably over 10 million, maybe more. So, um, I, and I, I think they expect this one to do even better than that. So yeah. uh, I, I can't see it this year. Maybe they might announce it next year, but I, I don't know. I don't it's know. In, I it's think... interesting because because what they could yeah. do, like, like you say, they could ride the crest of the sales wave on on console. I mean, they could they, they could still yeah. be getting it ready for PC at this moment in time, but just yeah. Oh, yeah. choose when they announce yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think next up for them is is Returnal. I think that will be the next one because oh. that will and, that will do well on PC. Themselves? Demon, yeah, Demon Souls. Yeah, I think they'll bring that uh, eventually. Um, uh, I, the thing is, there's a game on in their you know portfolio which you know I am shocked they haven't brought it to PC yet, um, and I, I understand why uh, because of the developer. Um, but the one game that I look at and think that could have just so much success on PC is Bloodborne. Um, mm. And, you know, the, the reason I presume they haven't brought that to PC is because From are preoccupied and Sony don't want to do it in-house, um, at, you know, bringing a PC port. But um, I don't, you know, I can't see... It's it's money on the table that they're leaving, you know. By well, that, that, game that, because... that game is crying out for 60 frames per second mode, isn't it? Yeah, it's so cry- PC exactly, would yeah, be the way to crying go. Out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crying out for a, a remaster, and but you know a light touch. Re- it doesn't need a lot. It just needs a you know a res update and a frame rate boost. That's that's it, and get rid of the frame pacing issues. That's all it needs. So um, yeah, I, I I really hope that comes at some point. But I I think the next one will be Returnal because it's kind Ooh. of a game that's typically quite successful in terms of genre on the PC market, mm. and um, I think. You know, those are the type. Returnal as well isn't a big commercial seller. I know it exceeded Sony's expectations and it was a success for them, but it's not something like God of War, Horizon, or, or even Uncharted. It's, Returnal, it's more of a niche game. Returnal would also fit into the timeline, wouldn't it? It feels like, you know, that they've ridden the it crest of that like wave. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. It feels about the time <clears throat> that they should bring that. Two, two questions for you, Luke, if you don't mind, Phil. Is. Um... Returnal on PC, it kind of seems like a fit for PC. And the second mm. question is, do you think that um, Bloodborne would benefit from a Bluepoint revamp, or is that probably too excessive? Uh, for, yeah, so first question, I think absolutely it's a good fit for PC. Um, yeah. You know, roguelikes tend to do really well. Uh, and there's a big audience. You know, I'd say that, in fact, it's it's weird because I think the console market for roguelikes is quite small, but the PC market's quite high. And I don't know if I think that probably just correlates to the fact that roguelikes kind of made their footing on PC, so they're kind of the more entrenched in the psyche of gamers there. So I think it will do really well there. Um, and uh, on the Bloodborne point, um, I think uh, I, I don't. Personally, I think it it depends, yes. right? Because I, mm-hmm. I, well, I, it depends on on Bloodborne doesn't need the same kind of treatment that Demon Souls did. Demon Souls mm-hmm. was archaic, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of an experience. Now it was really ugly, uh, and the you know 
what Bluepoint did was essentially a remake, right? And kept a lot of the underlying code, but it's almost apart from generic, you know, broad art style. It's it's it looks nothing like uh, Demon Souls. In if if that makes any sense at all, it's such a such an uptake. Uh, yep. Bloodborne, I don't, you know, it's a, it's much more modern, and I don't think it needs a. It's a beautiful looking game, even to this day. It's just the resolution is low and the frame rate suffers. That's yeah. all it needs a boost on. Because the, the reason why I mentioned that is exactly the point you hit on in terms of the code and the engine and that yeah. taking that source code outside of from software is probably going to be really difficult to untangle. But then you've got Bluepoint who are quite familiar with it. And I'm just wondering yeah. if, a, if a remake on for PC and for PlayStation with the, mm. the cult following that it's got and, and so many other people have... Um, want to play it but haven't touched it on playstation especially well, the pc community i mean it's a commercial idea that might have legs i mean they've got mm. nixes uh, you know um under their umbrella yeah. that, that could be doing things like this in the background couldn't they yeah i guess it depends on how much you know i, I don't think the type of port that i for bloodborne would take a lot of developer resource or manpower i think you could i mean depending on uh, bluepoint aren't that big but it wouldn't take a massive team to do it uh but i think yeah. if you gave me a choice of what do i want you know if, if blue point can do bloodborne but that's effectively their next game or they can be working on whatever their actual next game is um which is you know will be far more ambitious and they've already said it's the most ambitious game that you know they've you know it's got original content this one whatever it is right so um uh i i choose i choose the latter for sure because i want to see bloodborne do uh, sorry bluepoint do more amazing stuff and i'd i'd be prepared to wait but bloodborne needs to come to pc because it's it's a stupid that it's not there yeah that no, seems like the obvious fit um pucks i think we're going to kind of round up the show now pucks any last comments from the chat that we need to that we need to delve into before we wrap, wrap up yeah i've got two here from uh from parks again but they're kind of related to what you've been talking about so the first one is yeah i would imagine the, the majority of pc gamers are playing on pcs less powerful than uh, series x or ps5 and there's also been some ongoing uh chat going on about uh from scott and a few others as well saying about um that most people are oh, sorry i'm, I'm babbling start again scott mentioned about how through steam reports um the most popular gpu on there currently is uh nvidia 1060 uh -huh. i then pose a question there in chat to say you know do you reckon that's just because people you know, are people holding back because the fact that GPUs are too expensive? Or I mentioned something else as well, but I can't remember because I can't scroll up. There we go. Yeah, I yeah, can't and, scroll um, up as well. What's going on with the scroll on the chat lately? Yeah, I, to, I have to kind yeah. of like manually move it on the <laughs> yeah. right side and then I can scroll the wheel. I'm having that bizarre. problem as well. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, not just me then. No. Um, yeah, sorry. So I said, yeah, do you, do you think the reason why the 1060 is most popular is because people can't get hold of newer CPU, uh, GPUs? Or just not bothering because of the price hikes. And if anything, I think chat kind of agrees it's maybe a bit of both there. Um, there's also some chat going on as well around, you know, are people staying on older GPUs to play at uh, 1080 60 rather than playing at 1440 and 4K? Um, I think that one's a bit of a harder question to answer though, because you know, graphics cards aren't just about if it punches out a 1080 or 1440. It depend it's game dependent as well, isn't it? So if you've got a load of physics going on, for example, you know. You and thousands of interactable objects being rendered all at the same time, then you're going to need a much more powerful GPU to handle all that than you will mm. an older one. <laughs> I 
but of course, yeah, lowering resolution helped because then you're not having to render as much in the same time steps. But so that's an interesting chat going on. Uh, and lastly, again, from Parksy that I've got stored here is, and again, it's been mentioned by Luke and BJ, I can see Sony testing the water of smaller first-party games first by releasing to PC within six months of the PlayStation version. Not sure what game that would be, though. But then, of course, uh, Luke and that mentioned things like Returnal and stuff. So that would be interesting to see what happens in the, uh, in the, in the near future. No, absolutely. And, and as a PC owner that doesn't necessarily have a PlayStation 5, you will still have access to those games as and when they land, if you wanted to, I guess. And, and it's only a win for, for Sony because it's relatively little effort um, to, to, to probably port these to PCs on, on lots of levels. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. And uh, it's it's been quite a Sony PlayStation heavy show this week, which for, for an Xbox-centric show is kind of unusual, I guess. But I feel like we've kind of done the Sony thing to death at this point, to be honest. And, uh, you know, a little bit like the Activision um acquisition we just need to see what happens next really um i mean they say a week is a long time in politics but my god over the last few weeks gaming has uh yeah it's kind of exploded in february uh, and that's without the fantastic lineup of games that we've still yet to come in february so uh wow is that a, is that a precursor that you're having boris johnson on in a week <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know if i will to be fair i don't think i'll have him on at this point if that's all right so uh yeah um yeah no thank you very much uh, chat thank you for being here like i say i appreciate it, it was a very playstation centric show today that doesn't always fit everyone's agenda but there we go that's uh sony are the ones that are in the the spotlight for this week um panel Thank you very much for being here. Always a delight to, to chat gaming and in general uh, and, and specifically when there are sort of la larger news topics that, that land like that. Puxley, Luke, GPG crew, thank you very much for being here, gents. Um, hopefully we'll have Scott back on. We'll have the full GPG crew next week. VJ, thank you for coming back on, my friend. Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time and uh, I really appreciate, um, uh, as I said, you know, inviting me um back on the show and it's really good to converse with Puxley and Luke it's, it's been a long time and it uh, has been a long time I, yeah yeah and uh, I just want to say my opinion is only a reflection of my past right and, and very limited knowledge it's uh it's not in any way sort of uh shape or form uh, um a sign of intelligence or belief or anything like that so um Hope I did my best for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, and, and we've, we, we're always up front that these are our opinions. That's all we've got, unfortunately. Uh, and they're opinions from a from a fairly distant standpoint. We're observers of this fantastic industry uh, and, and hobby that we're in. We're, you know, we're not really, you know, involved deeply in any way. We're, we're not direct, in direct contact with these people. So these are just our opinions and stuff. And, and I like how we... And we always treat our opinions as opinions because you see a lot of times people online treating their opinions as fact. And, uh, and that's at the point I tend to turn off, if I'm honest. So now I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, fantastic chat as ever. Thank you very much for being here, everyone. Um, yeah, I had a great time. Hopefully we'll do it again next week. There's a few other topics I've got in the back of my mind that I'd like to get to at some point. But, but big news stories keep dropping. So, uh, yeah, we'll get there at some point. So thank you for watching, chat. You've been fantastic as always. Hopefully we're Scott on the next one. Um, safe gaming. Hope you have a good week. Hope you enjoy February and all of the games that are yet to come. And we will see you on the next one.